Hello folks, welcome to another episode of Yoke Dave's Hobby Podcast, the podcast where I talk about everything from tabletop RPGs, tabletop board games, tabletop board games, and everything encompassed. Even now and again talk about tabletop, um, what you call them, card games. Um, so, at the moment, as you all know, we are in the middle of playtesting for Legends of Hammond Sharon. Um, all the stuff is up on itch.io and drive through RPG. The uh, rules will be updated <coughs> with a few things on November the 23rd. We'll also be updating um, something rotten in Bandrova. Um, we are uploading, hopefully, another um, playtest adventure. It is non combat adventure. Um, and I'm, I'm going to try and write at the same time as writing Banderova one shots that are combat orientated. So you get more, more of that kind of stuff. The ones so far that we've written are all like non combat related, so. or intended to be non combat related. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully you should um, get that. Um, on November 23rd, so a week on Monday, a week today, really. Um, so today uh, I'm going to be talking to James McCloy. James is somebody who I have interacted with on Twitter for the last few while. Um, he has been writing a couple of different things for RPGs and I'm going to get him to talk about them while he's on the podcast. Um explain a little bit about them and a little bit about himself and his history. As always, we start with the history of the player and then we run into what they're doing. Um, so I am going to get him on and talk to you. Talk to me, anyway. Uh, hope you enjoy. Sorry. Uh, how you doing folks? Uh, Today I have James McCloy, uh, who we're going to talk to about his RPG that he'd written, and then his um, 5e module that he's in the middle of writing. How are you doing, James? Yeah, not bad. Not, not bad. bad. <laughs> Getting there. Um, NaNoWriMo um, is certainly not helping me motivate to, to finish writing the rest of this list, put it that way. <laughs> no, I have kind of stopped in the middle of it because I've got like five or six thousand mods and I'm like nah, I don't have the time to do that I should never have committed to it in the first place um, with all the stuff going on but I'll get there eventually I'll probably be the last like two or three days going battering away at the keyboard um, absolutely the way of things absolutely the way of things um, so <clears throat> what, what I try and do with everyone is just introduce them a little bit, like a um, couple of questions about their history in gaming and all this, that kind of stuff. So, how did you start in the hobby? Oh, right. So, <clears throat> I'm gonna flash back 23 years. So, my I come from an army family. Yeah. Um. So, my dad was away quite a lot. Um. And one day when he was back, and I think I was maybe 10. He'd bought Dungeons and Dragons with mm-hmm. the original paper Dungeon Masters sort of paper folder with mm-hmm. all the shortcut tables on it, character creation, the whole D and D basic rule set, a mm-hmm. big cardboard dungeon and everything else, and that really was my my launch into things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it was fascinating. I played it a little bit with my little brother and all those kind of stuff and eventually found Games Workshop type things, got into that a little bit and, and just sort of rolled from there. So nerdy from an early age yeah. and would definitely be a, definitely be a way, of, a way of things for me. Yeah, I, I, I um, know it well. I started out at five year old with Blood Bowl in 1988. Good choice, my friend. Good choice. That was, it was my dad. It was my dad. My dad's been a gamer for longer than I've been alive, longer than older brother's been alive, so um, he's been a gamer for years and years, so he got us all into it eventually. Some of us have left it, but some of us never left it. <clears throat> um, but Once yeah. it's in your blood, it's definitely hard to get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Drink and women help, apparently, with my older brother. Um, <laughs> that, that was what he says. He says, the drink and the woman. It's like, I, I drank, but obviously not as early as him, but and I've had plenty of women in my life, so it didn't stop me. Um, but yeah, well, that's cool. Um, so, D&D was your first game. Was it the red box or was it the white box? Oh, it would. Uh, it was actually a black box. Was it? So, yeah. So it was an old black box, and it, it was like a, a special edition type starter set, almost where it had a, a fold out cardboard map mm-hmm. um, of a castle um, and had all of the the actual um, doors and monsters and mm-hmm. players. All, all in a perforated um, set of cards, basically, yeah. where you actually, or really thin cardboard, mm. where you actually had to, to unpick it, basically. <laughs> and when I say perforated, you know, back in that day and age, what we're really saying is it's uh, <laughs> someone drew a line on it with it, and leaned heavily with a ruler. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very much get the scissors out um, pretty quickly. Mm. So, yeah. Um, and then I, I discovered a car boot sale at the age of oh, 12, 13 mm-hmm. the small black box with the limited edition metal white metal or, or lead miniatures yeah. um, with everything in it so that, that was a a bit of a dream find for me and mm-hmm. to make everybody terrified about how prices have changed I paid £5 for it oh yes <laughs> I remember in a car boot sale back in the day so things that the world has definitely moved on from that, especially on the pricing side of it I remember buying a box of long things for my Space Wolves, second edition, I think, um, and that was like a tenner, I don't think it even was a tenner, yep. for the five figures, and they're yeah. all white metal with plastic shoulder pads and arms and backpacks. The world moves on, man, the world moves on. It's sadly. scary. <laughs> but that is, I actually have a, a whole podcast plan talking about that the, the, the pricing um, I still need to do a wee bit more um, investigation but <coughs> Games Workshop's reasoning is bullshit as as we all know um, yeah. but that, that's, that's for another day um, so uh, what kind of other role playing games have you played up to this point? Um, if it exists I've played it <laughs> <laughs> and and that's not trying to boast, but that is the joys of going to university twice and deciding not to really pay much attention to your degree, mm. but still graduating. 
um, to be honest. So my focus when I went to uni was very quickly, shall we say, captured by Stirling University's role-playing society, mm-hmm. um, which I took a very active role in. And after, I think, the first year of really playing loads of different things, yeah. pretty much 24-7, <laughs> I turned into a GM. <laughs> so uh, we're talking everything published by the original like White Wolf back in the early days, so Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, all of their D10 products, you know, mutants and masterminds in later years, you know, big eyes, small mouth for those who are massive anime fans or Universal System fans. Um, GURPS, uh, much to my dismay, mm. I, I distinctly remember the amount of paperwork um, involved in GURPS. And, and all of the sort of various derivations, D6 systems, Shadowrun, Cyberpunk, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the whole bottom to top, Cthulhu Mythos stuff, Deadlands. It, a lot of things that are finding a resurgence now are things that I remember playing when I was 16 and at uni in first year going, cool, this is interesting. The good Shadowrun, so, not not the yeah. um, complete clusterfuck of the last two editions I've played. I think it's still yeah, both i twi- played. The 20th anniversary edition was not too bad, mm. actually. I, I quite like that one. Um, I worked. Mm. Um, but yeah, the more recent ones are a little bit... <laughs> Fractured, shall mm. we say? I think um, the problem. Right, so I played pretty much everything that exists. Mm. Um, well, a lot of wasted time at university, but <laughs> made a lot of friends and had a great deal of fun. <laughs> well, that—that's the thing, isn't it? Having fun and making friends—that's really. Yes, you're meant to get your degree, but I think that's kind of one of the main ideas of university, isn't it? <clears throat> Absolutely, yes. build those social skills in the future. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of the, um, as you know. I've worked on doors for a very long time, on and off, um, and dealing with students, it's like, you have no fucking social skills whatsoever, you wee prick, fuck off. <laughs> very much so. Privilege shines through, shall we say. Mm. Um, oh, cool. Um, so, the the question that I normally ask is, what game have you not played that you would like to have played for the past? But, as you've played just about uh, every fucking game. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to admit, um, the downside is I have basically since the age of 17 been the GM mm. you know GM for life syndrome no. um, I do get to play now and again but very much it's always been <coughs> me running games yeah. and just, I think I personally something I would really enjoy playing long term with people as a player mm-hmm. um, very much trends into a bit of a gritty supers or a shadow run um, style of game mm-hmm. but very much more focused on like dramatic action and right. interesting character development as opposed to grungy ammo counting shall yeah. we say um, uh, but yeah very much leaning in that direction there was a new one that came out this was it this year that was, it was you're a group of thieves and you're you do heists and all that, that kind of stuff yeah. I don't remember the name uh, of the I've one. seen a few things on that no, um, it's a life of me. I can't. I remember seeing it on Twitter quite a long uh, I, I saw it on a YouTube thing of the best games to buy this year to play that aren't D and D, which to me is pretty much every game that you could play other than D and D is better I mean, than, it, better to play than D and D. But that's just my opinion. You know. Yeah, I think D and D is a is a nice, easy, commercially popular. Hard, not hard to get into gateway drug yeah. <laughs> within the role playing world as long as it doesn't become the standard by which you hold things up to because yeah. if you lock your expectations and saying I must always do this in these ways yeah. 
D&D was always very much that more tabletop-y yeah. game as opposed to theatre of the mind and you can lose a lot and a lot of internet shows bridge that gap through yeah. the act of being actors or theatre which is great but I think uh, people miss a trick yeah. <laughs> and broadening those horizons is always a good part you do find that um, a couple of people that I've talked to about doing other stuff they're, they're very weary because they started out with D&D and they're like Mm, I don't really know because I don't know how to do that. It's like, well, it's it's not that hard to pick it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you you know the basics behind D and D, then you can pick up yeah. the um the rest of it. Um, At the end of the day, it's often just shiny math rocks. Mm. <laughs> um, I was going to say, um, I mean. The, the group in Falkirk that I'm a member of apart from me and two others, no three others nobody has played D&D no, not one of them they all started out with something else um, or started out with something and with that's us very Euro- that's a very European thing mm. as well though I think it's an interesting dynamic versus when you speak to Americans mm-hmm. where Dungeons and Dragons is very much that cultural touchstone because mm-hmm. uh, it you know, that was also again the centre of D&D hysteria mm. as a lot of things are yeah. so for them it's a cultural touchstone it's a place to start whereas I think Europe being very Eurocentric is mm. very much more fo- focused on systems and games that were focused on things like World War 2 or mm. horror or Edgar Allan Poe or Shakespearean drama and eventually emerging technologies so mm-hmm. very much grim very much dark but action heavy and, and, and theater, theatricality mm-hmm. um, and I think that changed the way you know Europe evolved from, from a role playing game perspective very much focusing for me like for example the whole of Sterling as I was growing up was mm-hmm. very much dominated by uh, White Wolf's World of Darkness products yeah. you know completely dominated nobody even thought to mention D&D because it was just like e- we could but we have this more intriguing prospect to have I think all the White Wolf stuff is still very much up lapping wise I think up in Stalin is it still is quite um, the uh, thing isn't it I've not seen really that side of the world uh, as it were in, in gaming uh, LARPing is something I've stayed away from mm. <laughs> generally speaking, because it's had a few incidents in Sterling, shall we say, mm. where police have ended up involved, so quite wisely staying well away from that situation, although mm. that, I think that was some way back in time, before mm. the understanding of the modern world kind of kicked in for certain residents, shall yeah. we say. No, because so. I, I know a couple of guys that were quite active in um, the world of Darkness Vampire um, kind of lapping side of things, and <clears throat> That it seems to be the, the big thing, and the east of Scotland is uh, world of darkness. Lapping. I don't know about the west of Scotland because I've never really um, had a had a look at it because it's, it's never been my thing. I'm like, I, I have enough of that at work. <clears throat> <laughs> no worries. Um, um, Alright, cool. Uh, so. Uh, talk to me about your 5e module because that'll be the best one to start with. Yeah, so uh, the 5e module um, is, I would
would say it's actually quite close to completion. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say at this point maybe about 80% of writing complete. It's got to go through some editing. Um, and this is where I'm going to uh, give a shout out a bit to Health Pack. Um, you can find on Twitter, um, who is a fantastically helpful individual, especially when you're trying to figure out how to do things for the first time. Um, and, and you don't have any money to push around, to mm. put it bluntly. Um, and making arrangements so we can support each other and, and work together to try and get it into its final form. So that's a, a, a prospect on the horizon. But to give everybody a, a, a flavour of what it's actually about. So the title is working, <laughs> title at least, is To Destroy a Storm. And without going too deep into spoilers, um, the, the overall purpose of the module is to provide a setting that's much more um, representative of a, of a fantastic or fantastical version of Scotland. So it, it doesn't use Scottish geography but verbatim, but it's inspired by Scotland and obviously you and I have native Scots, etc. <laughs> Yes. Or, or at least in my case, it's 50, 50 plus percent, um, you know, and moving that direction, definitely making it more <clears throat> a realistic look at what Scotland feels like to be in, yeah. um, and a li- bringing a little bit more of the history um, alive. I think, especially given the people often have very fixed perspectives on Scotland, very much focused around a uh, Braveheart era or medieval times, or ancient Pictish kind of um, tribesmen, etc. So in this module, it's very much more focused around uh, Highland clearances um, kind of era, which means a lot more to you and me, but to everyone else at home there, really what we're talking about is the Industrial Revolution, or pre-Industrial Revolution, so you've still got people running around with swords and bows because they're (laughs) cost-effective, to put it bluntly. But the, the arrival of new technologies and ways of working potentially starts to impact things. It's sticking to that overall sort of narrative, but underpinning it, because obviously it's a Dungeons and Dragons module and we're not here for a history lesson. Yeah. Um, it's a singular, dominating, overarching lord mm-hmm. who owns, in effect, or at least the heart and soul of an entire country mm-hmm. and holds it not to ransom. But is the undisputed king sitting at the centre of a wide web of nobles, noble houses, power, politics, yep. and prejudice, um, but with some interesting little inflections and to give um, everybody a little bit of a flavour of that, um, there's basically no laws. So the country doesn't run by law as such. It has very few laws. And the main one being, don't piss off the storm lord. Or you get destroyed, mm. to put it bluntly. Um, it's very much uh, more dark and or trending towards a dark kind of storyline um, that will be available when I finish writing an actual game series. Um, but the setting is very much about vibrant, burning summers, torrential, downpouring springs and autumn, and bitterly cold winters, and trying to survive. In a world where you know, wealth rules all, political influence is what's most important, and regardless of the morality of a situation, you signed up to do something, you're going to have to do it. Now, obviously, that can be taken in lots of different ways, so it's trying to keep it flexible enough 
that if you want to play a really hardcore horror game, go ahead, as long as your players are comfortable with it. Um, and, or if you want to play very high fantasy and defeat the ancient Stormlord, you absolutely can. But what I've tried to do, especially at the beginning of the book, um, that, that this module really becomes, because, dear God, it's over 200 pages already, <laughs> and I'm not finished yet, um, is really to say, be good to each other, you know, talk to each other before you run something as well, and put in a lot of those warnings that a lot of veteran players um, tend to go, oh yeah, but I don't need that, I know my players. Because this module yeah. is meant to be for everyone, so to try and say, look, be fair to everyone, <laughs> if you're going to run a grim, dark, horrifying, or you know, content warning heavy game, please talk to your guys first, yeah. or your gals, or your days, whoever is involved, you know, have that conversation beforehand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely trying to tend towards the the extremes of um, what can be um, very similar in perception to Curse of Strad, almost, in that there's darkness involved, but where Curse of Strad and a lot of other modules are about darkness and oh my god is it depressing and very very gothic this is more trying to fight back against the extreme polarization of a world that is intent on destroying itself mm-hmm. effectively mm. sounds very interesting um it's, yeah the the scottish um this you will get through with the um wet rains and the cold winters <laughs> Very much so. It's like you walk outside, and congratulations, there are four seasons. Yeah. Um, so the, in, in the rulebook, there's actually a section on weather, <laughs> since it's kind of important. Yeah. I, I know all about four seasons in one day. In one day, going. From, I come originally from coming old, so I have literally went from one end of the town to the other, so from Kendorit to the village, and every weather you could think of. You pass through it. Every type of weather sun, rain, sleet, snow, fog, everything. It's a fucking nightmare living in this country sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and just as a, a little sneak peek, obviously, within the <clears throat> within the overall finished book, like with anything with D&D, um, there's specialist races, specialist classes that are, or class specialisations even, that are built in. Mm-hmm. Um, to the, the setting itself as well, some new backgrounds, um, different abilities, and all sorts of interesting things, um, including, um, and it depends on your movie tastes, something that for me was inspired by Alien, mm-hmm. as it were, um, which is I created a race, which isn't actually a race, it's more, shall we say, of life happened to you, mm-hmm. which is called Damsel. In, in inverted commas, you don't have to be female or, in fact, any gender, particularly, to partake of this racial choice, as it were. But its entire piece is around picking out the horrifying narrative circumstance that happened to you and what it taught you to do. Mm. So, for example, were you poisoned? Now you're resistant to poison. Were you locked up for an incredibly long time? And now you've learned all those tricks that prison teaches you. Or were you trapped in... Um, in a prison ship or enslaved in some way or isolated off in the wilderness and you don't know how to interact with people and perhaps mm. you fight with a frying pan um, <laughs> instead of a normal weapon. Yeah, all those kind of silly things. Mm. But it, it's, it's there to kind of bring up a trope and give people an avenue to play those. I didn't really, you know, I, I'm not just an orc. I, I'm an orc, I'm a orc potentially who grew up 
kidnapped um, by somebody else. You know, kidnapped by someone else. Now I'm always on the on the lookout for people trying to capture me. Mm-hmm. And uh, to balance out, it has a horrifying feature of anti-luck, which basically is congratulations. Your next three rolls have disadvantage mm-hmm. once once per day. <laughs> so if you end up in a really busy combat, you best be careful on mm-hmm. balancing that out. Plus three to anyone's stat. So hmm. you could be the strongest, the fastest, the smartest, the most amazingly charismatic, but sadly, bad things happen to you an awful, awful lot. Hmm. That is an interesting one. Um, yeah. Zach, shut up. Sorry. Uh, the dog. Sure. No problem. Um, no, that is, that's interesting. Um, it, is, it is a bit of a different take on it from a lot of the things you get from D&D. Not, not that I have had a massive amount of um, experience with the current edition. I played, I didn't even finish one campaign with a group. Um, so, and that was all was it Dragon Heist we played? It was Dragon Heist we played and they were oh, all yeah. very very much like vanilla characters. Like yeah. Sorcerer and Barbarian. And, I mean, most of them weren't, weren't very experienced so it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. This, does this work? Does that work? Does that, and um, it was unusual for me to play with so many new players. I mean, with the Falkirk group, and um, you're always getting the odd new player now and again. But you know, they come in, they play a campaign, then they're experienced. Then you get somebody else in, and then somebody else in, and that that's how it's been for the last what, five years, I think. Um, at that point, pr- pretty much everyone's got a bit of experience. Um, yeah. <clears throat> whereas that was pretty much when we started, it was five pretty much brand new players. They'd played maybe a couple of one shots at things, and one was in in a campaign already. But it's like fucking hell, how do I do this again? Because I hadn't <laughs> been in a a brand new group never played before since I started playing at 15 I started playing RPGs at 15 so I'm like mm, yeah. right We're, you know so at that point that was the last year so 20 years since my first brand new group yeah. um, to the it, it helps if you build up a little sort of clan around you yeah um, it keeps things going <laughs> well I mean that's the thing the Falkirk Club are what, 12 hours at this point, we have to do separate campaigns we absolutely have to (laughs) because we tried Dark Heresy and um, what's it called, the Malfa one through the beach, with a full size party like full warriors together and it just got it just got mad I mean, you had somebody for everything at that point I mean, don't get me wrong, everyone was specialised, but it didn't really matter, because yeah. you had something to do for everyone, and sometimes two people for everything. I mean, if, you, if you've listened or, or read anything that I've written, I like playing barbaric characters, I like playing the guy that is going to kick the door in. Yeah, kick the door in, <laughs> blow things up. But, at the same time, he's smart enough to know when he can sort something out and when somebody else needs to sort out. So, you know, 
Um, that's the kind of character I love playing. But the 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 Malfoy the through the beach, I played a magic user. That is a very unusual thing for me to do. Is play anyone with any magic. It's not because I don't enjoy playing magic characters. Because I love playing that character. Um, but at the same time, I made sure he knew how to fight. Because <laughs> I was like, if something happened bad with this, I'm gonna have to stick a hammer on somebody's face. Um, and, and I need to know how to. So, you know, that's. But you, you do see when you actually play quite. A, I mean, I DM quite a lot or GM quite a lot because uh, somebody had the issue. With, I think it was draconic, but had an issue today actually with people calling it DM rather than GM um, so we'll, we'll, um, well I mean it's all much of a muchness people yeah. get really precious about naming conventions but right. at the end of the day it just means the guy in charge yeah. or the gal in charge or the person in charge or sometimes the computer in charge and you're all sat around playing against the computer so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah I, I do GM quite a bit but I play quite a bit now as well because I have been able to because of this big group of good players um, which is quite nice um, so that you know you do get stuck in uh, kind of a rut sometimes with the, the kind of character you play which is why when we started doing Legends of Five Rings we've only actually played one game of the new Legends of Five Rings they're using the <sighs> Fantasy Flight um, yeah. you, there, well, it's a modified version, same as uh, Brandon's using with Swordsfall. His is mod- okay. a modified version of that, and um, when it's okay. written, from what I've been reading, from what he was saying, um, so you know, it's quite good. Um, they made me a diplomat because I was late, and there was no other characters to play, and I was like, at the time, I was like, fuck, I'm gonna hate playing this character, but you know what? I had a whole load of fun with playing it. It can be Legend of Five Rings. I I played the older editions um, way back, and I played some of the D twenty version and everything else. And um, I I have to admit, I do love Legend of Five Rings, and I enjoy playing the social characters because social has direct, real bearing on the culture yeah. and the, the the game setting, as opposed to a lot of them where it's like, well, that's lovely, you can talk nice. I'm just going to go stab someone and win. Yeah. Um, whereas, in fact, if anything, stabbing anything is a sign of you failed <laughs> yeah. in a lot of games with Legend of Five Rings. Well, that was the idea behind Legends of Amateuron as well, was yep. you, I don't want this game that's just the same as this, where in order to get through this adventure, you need to kill everything. Um, I want to be able to write adventures where killing somebody or getting into a fight is a very bad idea. Um, because it will do this, it will do that, which yeah. is the idea behind the reputation and the oops, what's the other bit? Two different things, but one of them we're changing on legend. So reputation is um, your reputation with in a particular area where a stature is your reputation yeah. as a whole, but we're changing that, that to legend because well. Legends, legend. That makes more sense. Um, but also having your own, your own alignment, but different from um, the kind of D and D version. You've got light, you've got dark, and you've got neutral. 
and if you get right to the centre neutral, you gain like power. If you get right to the top of the light, right to the bottom of the dark, you get power from it. And there's various bits and pieces that um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? M makes that what it is. You know, you uh, if you become very power, very very good. If you stop being very, very good, it's a very bad thing for you. Um, yeah. It gives you a, a reason to continue being who you are as yeah. opposed to the old career focus, which is I'm going to spend enough levels or experience or time doing this one thing until I'm the master of it, and then yeah. I'm going to quickly jump onto that other rail for no other reason than it makes me incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, you have to you know, invest yourself in staying where you are and yeah. create a more consistent character it's such a quite good feature well that, that's that's trying to make everything work together as well so if you act um, very well your legend goes up if you act very badly your legend goes down same your reputation if you're I mean this is all predicated on you being a light character but if you're a dark character then you don't but you still have to keep not being a murder hobo as <laughs> Um, because even in the, the dark societies, they're not big fans of murder hobos. Yeah, subtlety is um, the way to survive if you're following a selfish path. Yeah. Um, and murder hobo as well, they may create short-term gains or generally bad for business. Yeah, well that's it. Um, I mean, with the first uh, adventure... I have different like how you react to a situation depends on how much stature you get or legend now and your reputation and then eventually when we fix the alignment system because it's a bit shit at the moment I'll be absolutely honest um, you know it might shift your alignment a bit but, and the kind of spells that you use even if you're a necromancer you could be a good necromancer you could just not use your spells to hurt people is the outcome selfish or yeah. is the outcome for the greater good kind yeah. of equation? And I think one of the biggest things with alignment that people often forget is that alignment was put in to really not for characters as much to be able to detect, you know, figure out whether a monster is going to bash the party or not. Yeah. Does the party have a chance of getting out of this without fighting, especially more powerful things like dragons that are chaotic good, so they may just choose not to fight the party. Yeah. And that's where that came from. And it's much more when you think about it. What it is is, am I selfish? In a modern terminology, is am I selfish or am I about other people? Mm -hmm. You know, and am I willing to obey the law or do I completely disregard the law and do whatever I want? So, even chaotic evil really is just, in a D and D sense, really just turns into I am willing to do anything to achieve my own personal goals. My own personal goals might be world domination to bring peace because I saw my family murdered when I was a child. If you've got a tragic backstory, as so many people do, that to you that's an evil, you know, that's a selfish goal, mm -hmm. and you're willing to destroy <clears throat> half of everything in the entire universe. Cough, Thanos. Um, so <laughs> to yourself, you appear to be chaotic, you know, chaotic good. Mm -hmm. To others, you appear to be chaotic evil. You know, it, it's very subjective. Yeah. And again, I think that comes back to the contrast between the European 
um, perspective on role-playing games versus the traditional American yeah. or USA-centric D&D view. Yeah, it probably is. It probably is a, just that that the way that I've grown up playing the games and yeah, um, I just I don't like the the way that D and D goes a lot of the time. It just ends up them getting into fight with everyone and killing everyone and stealing all the stuff. It's like you've got to have a... expectation creates the reality as yeah. well. At this point, it really has reached that point where um, you know the the reputation and the background of D and D and what it's good at mechanically mm-hmm. lend itself to its own narrative. Yeah. staying the same forever it's very hard and even really good well produced shows struggle to get back out of the pit that is and then I go and kill something yeah. generally yeah. speaking whereas you know growing up with more mythos related stuff or you know um, spy type things where yeah. it's no 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 actually fighting things is the, 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 the uh, bad yeah. thing <laughs> let's not do that let's that not. means I could die <laughs> yeah um, which I think they've done well with the D20 see the two D20 sets of rules, the modifious ones um, with Infinity and Star Trek and all this, that kind of stuff is you get experience for doing what you do but you might get more experience for um, doing it without getting in a fight that might, you might have to get into a fight at some point which I think we will do um, in this current one um, but there are ways of getting through it without resorting to violence. You can talk people out of fighting, and I think that's yeah. something you kind of need in a game, to be honest, because yeah. you know that's the reality of the world. It's, it, it's moving your fighting type characters and personas into what would a bouncer do, not mm. what would a crazed murder hobo do to fulfil his own agenda. Yeah. Yes. Try and talk the silly bugger down before you get into a fight. That, Absolutely. That that is your first, your first thought, or should be your first thought. Um, yep. Don't get in the fight unless you absolutely have to. Um, cool. Um, so I forgot the name of the rules that you wrote the post. Don't worry, I. It is so the working title for the the rules set that I'm working on, um, slash the actual setting and everything else is just called Cataclysm Survivor, um, and to put it simply, it is trying to step away from a few tropes um, about you know post-apocalyptic games and actually make it a universal sort of post-apocalyptic game system. Mm-hmm. So it really is still focused around risk and reward and near-death situations, but what it's also designed to try and do is address that you should just be able to do things and try and take a step away from dice, um, back to some of the older systems that I quite enjoyed that used card games, yeah. so for example poker mechanics as well um, and realistically there's going to be a couple of different sections in it, but the, the core piece that really splits everything down is uh, that you'll generate during character creation and bad guys will have things which will give it some core stats which are cards you can always play so perpetual cards that exist because they they are what your character is so their physicality their mental capacity and their strength of character so 
currently body, mind, and will. That, for example, you might say, I'm going to build a, a really, really badass character. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make them, let's see, I'm going to give them pretty good physicality, but I'm going to give them a really good mental capacity and strength of will, and I'll focus on building up secondary attributes. But those are my starting points. So you might go, I'm going to have a, a mind of six. So you've now got a card that says six on it. Yep. permanently at your disposal and then you go right okay well I'm going to need to build some skills up so there's skills that are various levels of speciality and this is all done with a universal point system that says spend what you want you could have the biggest most badass stats in the world and not a single skill mm-hmm. only problem is you're trying to make hands of cards so starting with only one card in your hand t- tends to make things harder <laughs> yep. so the, the second facet of it then comes into well how much how specialized are these skills so there's three levels you can go and the more narrow they are the cheaper they are and you can create whatever you want theoretically so there's tasks skills and talents so tasks are hyper specialized so for example i'm going to cat i'm good at catching rabbits in snares in underbrush you know really fine level of detail so you're not quite a survivalist but you know I can catch dinner as long as there's rabbits and there's underbrush around so you could go I'm going to take a six in that and that's really cheap you know that's fantastically cheap you just go boom there we go I'm done and now you've got a pair now it's only a pair of sixes Mm -hmm. but it's still a pair and you're walking to any situation before anything else happens going I've got a pair and that's a pretty good level of difficulty that's I'm damn competent at what I do yeah. now there's then skills which are hey I am skilled at something so from rabbit snares you might go to just snares yeah? yeah potentially so I am good at snares you take a six and now it's not just catching rabbits and brushes it's catching anything with a snare yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's slightly more expensive, so you're spending more effort on your character creation to try and get yourself and making sacrifices to push that skill level up, where potentially it matches how good you are mentally. Yep. So setting a steering ball is a lot of mental activity more than physical. And then the final level, which is talents, so the all-encompassing, I'm just amazing at the whole gamut of the subject matter of a skill. So bringing that skill up into something really powerful would be, for example, saying survival. Mm -hmm. So you just go, yeah, I'm great at survival. I've got survival at six. The most expensive form of of talent I could have. Now, I walk into any survival situation, whether it's whitewater rafting, (coughs) navigating, rock climbing, gathering food, starting a fire, building shelter with a pair of sixes. Because I know exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So you can build any combination. You could be some a character who has a list of twenty tasks they're amazing at, really super specialized. Yep. You know, it's let's say it's a zombie apocalypse. Oh, well, I have taking zombies' heads off with my baseball bat <laughs> as a task. I'm amazing at it. Only one problem: that's not a zombie, and I've just lost my baseball bat. Hmm. <laughs> so now I can't apply my task, so I don't get that card. Yeah. So you have to meet the sort of narrative description. Yep. of the task at hand to gain the benefit of it cool. and that's where it kind of overlaps a little bit with fate to a certain degree because obviously they use a similar-ish kind of system but in this case you're building hands of cards mm-hmm. the final way you can build up um, to get the most powerful combination which is three cards to start with before you do any drawing or anything else then turns into 
do you have appropriate stuff? Yeah. So character creation, you can spend on buying permanent gear that's yep. you know storyline indestructible. So my character always has a machete. He would wake up from a from a, a, a shit crash on a coast still mm-hmm. holding that machete, um, or he would find a way to bait to have that machete with him yeah. all the time. Or it might be a case of uh, my character; she's always got um, an AK forty seven with ten rounds. You'll spend time scavenging to make sure that happens, and you invest points to make that permanent, and that's hugely expensive. But what you're really doing is saying, well, I actually have effectively almost like a talent or a skill or a task. So I have a piece of equipment that can be applied to mm-hmm. talents, skills, or tasks that helps me. So if I've got a talent of guns, <laughs> so I'm just universally talented with guns, and I happen to have a piece of equipment that is a gun, I can then combine my body, so my physicality, mm-hmm. so my hand-eye coordination, with my talent of guns, with my amazing gun, and have three sixes. So I'm starting with three of their kind, baby. <laughs> and then random cards get dealt. So the GM and, or DM, whatever you want to call it, plus the players are all actually working from the same river of cards out in the deck, but also the DM or GM gets to draw a certain amount of cards and knows what the bad guy or what the environment is already holding in its hand. Yeah. And they're basically competing to try and create the best hand and win that situation and part of the system because currently this is all hey I just do stuff without Mm -hmm. any risk any time you do something that involves risk so it's not just hey I'm an amazing survivalist and GM goes well okay you catch a rabbit and you cook dinner and you make a shelter and you're fine you know it's not a challenging environment but let's say it's in the mountains it's winter it's snowing there's fog you know you can barely see that's a risky situation so you draw some cards and you're going to play it out with with the GM you're every time you do something yep. to add to the hand, you are spending energy or health or both to continue playing out that scenario and building that set of cards to see whether you succeed or not. Mm-hmm. And if you lose, you lose that energy and health. Mm-hmm. And eventually that pushes you down to, okay, so I've, I've, I've lost that. I've lost all my health. So I now take on what's called a scrape. So kind of think like health levels from other systems. That applies a minus one penalty to everything I do from now on. So all my cards draw value by one. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. And then, oh no, but my, because you've taken one scrape, yeah, maybe you get your energy back or you get your health back. But now you've had your scrape, you can't have any more scrapes potentially. You've Over the last month, you've taken dozens of scrapes from lots of little situations that are a little bit risky. Mm-hmm. Now you're on to injuries, then wounds, and then decrepitudes, and in a in the system, healing is almost non-existent, basically, or yeah. involves huge amounts of time where you're constantly exposed to risk. Yep. So the idea is that this will create a bit of a war of attrition and resource. You know, it's almost strategic, basically, as you start to pick what risks you can afford to do yep. and what injuries you're willing to accept. So it creates a bit of a barter system of I'm going to try and do this, and you can work together a little bit to pool points. And try and spend them effectively to outbid the DM, but or GM. But what you in the because it's a survival kind of focused game. So at the end of the day, the GM he ain't gonna run out. Yeah. It's more of a case of how quickly you do before you manage to create a safe environment to recharge. Mm-hmm. So it's really a race against time before you run out of the ability to continue. 
Or maybe just, you know, club your, when you're running away from a horde of zombies, club your best mate in the kneecaps and run faster than he does. As, as so often happens and that kind of thing. <laughs> somebody, Absolutely. Somebody ends up being the, the brunt of the, the kicking, <laughs> don't they? They're, Absolutely. They're, all right, okay. Uh, you're my best mate, but I'm sorry. I need to survive. I'd rather survive. I'd rather I survive than you survive. So fuck you. Well, that's cool. That's no. nice. And the the whole point is, is that character creation initially might take a little bit longer than, say, like doing a first level D and D character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but but the idea is that once you're done, yeah, you're kind of done. Mm-hmm. You know, there yeah, there's experience. There's going to be experience system, but really the thing about how characters advance and it's kind of echoes similar to your thoughts and feelings on the matter is by building a legend mm-hmm. and in this case every game you survive yeah. you get to add a word to a sentence that describes your character's legend and that has in-game effect yeah. once it builds a functional sentence yeah. yeah so I could kill anyone now here's the problem if you lose a game as it were so really, you came out worse of the situation, which is going to start to become more often than not. Yep. The, D, the GM can add a word to that sentence. Mm-hmm. I can't kill anyone. Mm-hmm. And then you have to role-play out those consequences, and it, that's the narrative sort of experiential way of it. Yeah. Is if you keep rolling good you know, and you're doing really well, um, you can build up this invulnerable legend that's almost impossible to topple. If you keep having horrible, horrible experiences, it's only going to keep getting worse. Mm. And then it's how long can I survive? That's quite interesting. It's, it's, it's quite different from most of the games that you come across. I mean, uh, what's it called? I just mentioned it earlier on. Uh, through the Breach. You yep. have a fate, so every character's fated, um, and then you have to. I can't remember the name yet, but basically there's a phrase. It does. It doesn't make fucking sense to be perfectly honest most of the time because it's it's just it's a pre-generated thing. But you have to have done something um, to uh, that that kind of sounds as if that has been done. So that fate has been completed, and you've got is it four or five fates. You've got to get through, and that improves you as a character. Yes, you get experience. Yes, you can upgrade um, abilities and add spells and all the rest of that kind of stuff. But in order to really advance, in order to get really better, because you start with a hand of three or four, three or four cards in your cheat hand, every time you get fated, uh, you become more fated, you get an extra card. So that makes it easier for you to be able to cheat fate, as it was. Um, yeah. So that that's it's, it's not hundred percent the same, but it's quite. It's you've got to do that. But if you don't do that, then you're never actually going to get anywhere. You know what I mean? That's I quite like that idea. Um, with that one, but <clears throat> you know, yeah. I mean, we'll still have experience and. Um, legends, but your experience, yes, it lets you do this, yes, it lets you do that. But as you become more, more of a legend, your weapons 
So um, your weapons that you start with, if you know, it becomes a part of you. So it, yeah. as you gain experience, it, it gains experience and eventually becomes sentient, and same as your armor and all the rest that kind of thing. So yes, you can go out and buy magical weapons and all the rest that kind of stuff eventually when you've got enough money, because it costs a shitload of money. Um, to do all these things uh, if you hold on to that weapon that you've had since the beginning of your career you know uh, it's basically become sentient as part of you because it's advanced with you yes you go buy that magic weapon but it only gets experience from when you buy it and when yeah. you so building a legend behind yourself but also your weapon like King Arthur you know like Excalibur yeah. and all the rest of these, all the weapons that you see in um, history, historical like heroes um, and then obviously games, that that's part of it, so lots of different, lots of different working um, different workings but though yeah. overall yes it'll work together but you can take bits out as well if you don't want to use them so that I want to make it as in depth as I can, but also make it as accessible as I can. So yeah, not, not destroy everybody with paperwork on yeah. the way in. <laughs> yeah, but you can take out what you want to and put in what you want to. Um, no, that's that's good. Um, uh, anything else you want to talk about at all? Um, uh, the only thing I would say is I think. Um, there, it was something interesting you pointed out the other day on Twitter, which was weirdly how I have less than 500 followers, um, yeah. which was entertaining. Um, and I think one of the things for me is um, the way I treat Twitter is if I'm following you mm-hmm. or um, you're following me, my expectation is to try and work a narrative where we yeah. actually interact. I mean, I don't mind people following me if they want to just sit and watch and enjoy the retweets and, yeah. and the celebration of other people mm-hmm. and some of the content I put out. But really, what I'm there to do is, is interact with people and have a bit more of a human experience. Yeah. So I'm not really into the follow botting. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, um, and obviously, if I follow seven thousand people and seven thousand follow me back, it feels yeah. a bit disingenuous. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't mind expanding my follower account, follower, well, follower account, but where where it's actually you know justified and merited, and I'd rather have that more personal experience because then I get to meet people like you. Yeah have good conversations and uh, prove that um, you know the Imperial Fists are better um, no they're not and <laughs> and then uh, you know Ordelia Publishing um, I'm yeah. hoping that's how it's pronounced um, as well who's had a really good um, impact on me and uh, we, we've built up a bit of a friendship with yeah. like so lots of people that I think it's, it's a really good place to meet like-minded people yeah. and also contra-minded people mm-hmm. and build a better understanding of what we want to do together as a mm-hmm. It's a kind of a community, and yeah. I want to try and keep it that way as well. Yeah, well, early on, I was very much joining all of those, you know, like-minded people, um, retweet, follow kind of things, and eventually I got to the point where, I mean, I, I think I'm about 1,500 followers or something like that, but I'm like, I can probably tell you the name of every person that I regularly interact with. And it's not that many people, 
Um, but there's even people that don't follow me that I interact with regularly, and I don't mind that they don't follow me because it's like, well, they see me talking to them all the time. I mean, it's like Brandon. He doesn't follow yeah, me, and I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with it. I'm like, no. I mean, you know, we, we interact all the time. Absolutely. At, at this rate, to be honest, Brandon may as well move to Scotland. It would save him time. Yeah. <laughs> it would, at times. Um, yeah. But, because he interacts with both of us, but, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's <sighs> That's why I haven't tried to push it even bigger on the Hamager on Twitter. I mean, that's, I think, 700 followers or something like that. And I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can live with that. I don't really mind because at this this moment in time, I think we've got what 120 downloads of the rules, the yeah. playtest rules, and I'm like, if that 120 people get back to me on their feedback, I'm going to be sitting there for months. So happily have that many people downloading it. That's fine. Don't care if anyone else downloads because that's a good broad spectrum of people to have. Play tested the rules and tell us what they think. So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm getting to that point myself. I've got, well, I've got to that point myself where I'm like, Do you know what, the follow count doesn't matter. It's this the quality of the Absolutely. interaction. Hundred percent, man. The only. But um, sadly, I'm gonna have to, to beg off no, this appearance. No it has been a joy speaking to you yeah. um, for the yeah. first time, actually, in, in relative yes. person, just being relatively near to each other compared to some people in the US who meet yeah. regularly yeah. um, and that's certainly something I'm going to try and change going forward but sadly I have work to return yeah. to so. um, as, I say, as I said to you man if you can ever get down to the Falkirk Club come down come meet us we'll and, absolutely and we'll, we'll try and get you into a game at some point <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see if I can uh, manage to, to get the, the kid away to some babysitting or whatever mm. else and free up some time um, and we'll see what happens man but it's been a joy to speak to you yeah um, you too mate Cheers. Have a good good rest of the day, man. Catch you later. See you later. Right, that was James McCloy. Um, as I said, at some point in the near future, he will have his fifth edition um, module ready to go, um, and then what? Into the Stormlords. Was it Into the Wrath of the Stormlords? Into the Stormlords. I can't, can't remember now. After I haven't talked to him, um, and then Cataclysm, um, the card-based RPG that he's writing as well. So, um, if you want to learn more about it, because um, he's starting to upload more on his Twitter, go to. Uh, I, I, I I'm not going to try and put it out there. I will put it in the notes for this episode, um, and once again, I'd like to thank him for. I'm taking his time out of his day because that was his lunch break. Um, we've been trying to um, get together and talk, um, and we're going to try and get him into the into the uh, Falkirk Club at some point, and maybe get a one shot out of him um, if nothing else. Um, so, uh, well, next week it will be back to usual. It will be back to me talking some rabid shit um, I'm sure uh, the week after uh, I don't think I've got anything planned but I'll be talking I think that's the one that I'm going to do the how the 
building off Haman Sharon and where we are has been, you know, the journey that we've been on. Um, because we need a bit, a bit more time. As I said to James during the interview, um, or during the podcast, I am planning on doing uh episode where I go in depth on how things are done in the uh, miniature uh, side of things. I've got a couple of people who I need to talk to um, and try and figure out various bits and pieces. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of time. It's probably um, going to be mid, maybe mid-April by the time it gets released because I do have to sit down and actually have conversations with people over the phone or so over Skype um, and various other things that is something that I want to do um, in the future various episodes doing talking about things in the industry rather than just you know, me sitting ranting me having an interview with people about this that and the next thing or and then and um, the podcast, obviously the actual play podcasts um, that will all still be here I will still sit down, I will still have interviews with people um, but that particular that's kind of something that I start, I've started getting interested in and because I will eventually be part of the industry I suppose right now we are part of the industry um, now that we've started playtesting um so yeah that's something I want to do but it is for the future uh, as always um, hope you enjoyed this uh, episode if you want to help pay, um, us out with the podcast go to well I'll drop the coffee account if you want to download the RPG um, it is on itch.io or drive through RPG just go and hammer, just type in Hammer on Publishing and you'll uh, find that. If you want to help us out with helping fund Hammer on, because like James, don't have that much money, don't have enough money, don't don't have any money to plug into the game. We have a Patreon for it, so it is Legends Hammer on on Patreon. Um, I will drop the link in the notes. Um, drop lots of links in the notes. Uh, and that will help us out um, a- anything you get even for a dollar it will get you access to all of the unedited podcasts or all, all the unedited um, playtest um, audio that we have we will have built up every time I get it from somebody else I'll put, put it up um And we will just continue uploading all of those, all those, all it completely unedited. Just sit and listen to, listen to how we develop the game. Um, So I am going to say good day and happy hobby to you. And I hope you all have a good day.